This is the Business of App podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics, and we promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have two guests, Cameron Thumb, Director of Sales at Addictive, and Matej Lancharic, User Acquisition and Marketing Consultant. Welcome, business, welcome guys, to the Business of Apps podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. Good to much. be here. Yeah, thanks for Terrific. having me. Terrific. Thank you guys for coming. It's not like every day you have two guests on the show. It happens rare, but it's always great. All right, let me set the stage first for today's conversation. So um, what are your options today when it comes to marketing your app? I can tell you from a point of view of a guy who used to be in app marketing back in the 2010-2015 era, that portfolio of marketing tools have grown up significantly. Today, if you're tasked to grow a user base for an app, you have app store optimization, paid UI, advertising and podcasts, on TV, on radio, PR, social media marketing, influencer marketing, and content marketing. And there's one more marketing tool, which is not always applicable, but once you've got a number of apps in your portfolio, and especially games, you can turn your attention to cross-promotion. And this is what we're going to be talking about today with Cameron and Matei. But first, to kick us off, Ante, please tell us about yourself. What brought you to the crazy field of mobile marketing? Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, I've been in the industry for nine years already. Uh, I started my career, my career here, uh, well, here. I'm from Slovakia, so that's why I say here. Here in Slovakia, uh, at mm-hmm. Pixel Federation, um, I was there for five years. I took all their games from Facebook, Canvas, well, that's ages ago, uh, to mobile. Uh, I was the soft launch owner and global launch owner of uh, all the games and all the marketing uh, activities. I learned everything I know there, so uh, it's been a very nice ride. But then um, you know, I changed companies and joined one marketing agency, built a team from scratch there from zero to 25 people. That was also a very good experience. And then I left the, the company and started doing this like UA consultancy thing for uh, for multiple companies. Oh, well, just to take a step back, I was doing the side gigs here and there uh, when I was at Pixel Federation, just to get um, more experience from different genres, to work with mm-hmm. different games and companies because different companies and different games have different budgets, and different challenges. So now I, I just, you know, smoothly went to just do this like full-time consultancy thing. I do have my own creative team of 10 motion designers. And uh, since I do this, it's like 500% more happiness in my life. So <laughs> it's amazing. I'm, I'm super happy. It's been a great ride. So uh, not complaining at all. I love, I, I love games. I love marketing. And if you know these two things uh, are combined, I'm happy. <laughs> so you're at this great stage of your career when you have a ton of experience and now you're master of your own time. You can exactly. do whatever you want and plan your own, you know, your work hours, hours the way you want it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. yeah, the flexibility is amazing. Yeah, I love it. Terrific. Uh, now, Cameron, you met Matei when you were working in UI, but now you're part of Addictive, which focuses on remarketing. Please tell us about Addictive. Uh, who are your clients? Yeah, Matei is like one of the great guys of the industry. I was at a UA company previously and then, you know, was looking to 
uh, work with the same clients, maybe in a different way. And as retargeting grew, I moved to Addictive, which is a French remarketing company specializing in in-app user engagement. We work with uh, gaming and non-gaming apps and to, to determine the best way to re-engage app users. So we run an initial analysis of in-app user behavior and then develop interactive ads for them at no additional cost, which is nice. And um, we've seen results in some of the uh, performance indicators that we consistently rival Google and Facebook, which is always a, a great validation of the work that we do. And sure. now, you know, facing the, the challenges facing UA marketers with Apple's privacy changes and rising costs to acquire net new users, we've leveraged our experiences studying user behavior to build a platform that allows marketers to cross promote their apps within their existing user base, as you mentioned. Uh, and you can stretch their acquisition budgets further uh, and increase engagement across the portfolios that way. So it's a, a new and exciting product. We think um, the industry hopefully will embrace, but uh, Matei and I have talked a bit about it and we're excited about it. Fingers crossed. Hopefully people will embrace it. Now let's introduce the topic. Uh, let's define what is cross promotion and give people some examples that will be familiar to them. Yeah, I mean, cross-promotion is very simply the marketing of mul multiple apps in your portfolio, um, you know, across the user base. So if you play Candy Crush, we'll look at your user profile and behavior patterns, um, kind of the monetization lifecycle, how they're spending money over time, and predict when they're likely to churn, and show you recommendation for maybe a Candy Crush 2 in-app before you stop playing forever. So it's that delicate balance of what you've spent already versus the prediction of what you're going to spend in the, in the next app. All right. And uh, now, Matei, you have run your own cross-promotion campaigns in various companies. So what insights can you uh, share about those experiences? Yeah, well, uh, it's, it's been always a tough job to, uh, to run cross-promotion, uh, either from the evaluation standpoint or just... Uh, uh, from the from the point of uh, talking to the game teams, actually, uh, because of the politics and everything in the within the company. Because if you have a you know a big company, game teams don't want to lose well lose quote unquote uh, their players mm -hmm. to the game. Well, you know it's still the same company, but you know you know how it works. But, right, right. So we yeah we we ran multiple cross promotion campaigns uh, at Pixel Federation and at Boombit as well and other companies and uh, basically found out that you can you can cross promote the players um, across different different games and it can be successful. It's all about trying to identify the user segments uh, and uh, and try to find uh, the sweet spot where they might churn and then immediately send them to to your game in your portfolio. So mm -hmm. that was the first thing. And then we, when we um, launched uh, Seaport, which is a, uh, a simulation game, we are cross-promoting um, from different games with, uh, within the, the simulation genre and uh, from the, the adventure, adventure game, which was called Diggy's Adventure. So what we found out is that these, these both games were performing similarly well. So the hypothesis was that uh, you know the simulation, and if you are cross promoting cross promoting uh, players from the same genre, it's going to work better than uh, from different genres. Eventually, both worked very well. So uh, mm -hmm. we found out that uh, you know the players that um, that paid were 
already familiar with the with the gaming company. So if it's you know if you're cross promo promoting the players within your company, then most probably it's going to work way better than uh, you know uh, with the different companies. But well, you know, I'm uh, always uh, a big. I was always a big fan of a cross promotion, uh, and uh, it's it's been tough to evaluate properly, but definitely uh, can work really well. So, for what you're saying, the biggest problem, not per se technical one, which you can resolve, have an experience, and you know, um, but actually the culture inside the company, the competition between yeah. the teams inside the company can be underway. <laughs> So exactly. um, analytics, uh, math, um, putting you know, crunching numbers isn't the biggest issue you may have, actually. Yeah, because, you know, like, that, that's, the, that's the problem. So uh, I'm not sure like, why uh, the game teams can't, uh, can't understand that you're, it's still the revenue is staying in the exactly. same company. You're still but the same team. Exactly. As the, you know, we are the same team, the same company, but they have their goals, they, their own motivations, and it's really hard mm -hmm. to, to, you know, to let go of these players. <laughs> Let's say that way. Oh, we're right. seeing with some of the acquisitions in the space that, you know, they're kind of forcing that conversation to happen, mm -hmm. right? With all these teams yeah. suddenly having to work with one another in a very real, real way. One would yeah. hope that it will work, you know, broadly in the industry. Um, more people will jump on board this idea that at the end of the day, you're the teams behind inside a big team, and you're all, you know, should join forces, not compete with each other. Now, question to you both. Uh, we just uh, touched briefly, like on the one specific case, but um, generally speaking, um, thinking about you know, games uh, overall what genres are kind of compatible to each other when you have a portfolio of games and uh, can you give a bigger picture okay what games are compatible with each other when it comes to cross promotion it's always always about the uh, the player profiles like i can mention in the beginning uh, so for example if you have a female player uh, they definitely play uh, match three games, but also um, some mm -hmm. casual titles, uh, adventure titles, social casino as well. And, uh, you know, that's that's how it is always. So if you find these uh, these common interests and the overlaps between those those um, player players and their games, that's something that works. And you can't say like, okay, so you if you cross promote RPG with match three, it won't work. Most probably that won't be that efficient, but it, you can still find these players that play both match three and or RPG. Because, for example, uh, on one forex game I worked uh, on before, there was like a huge uh, amount of female players that were playing very actively, and they were paying quite a lot of money. But you would you wouldn't expect that in in forex game. Exactly. On the other hand, yeah. On the other hand, uh, in the match three and in Candy Crush, my uh, former colleagues they were uh, just you know very much players of the League of Legends and Dota and and whatever else. They were playing the Candy Crush because well, at the later stages it was really challenging for them to you know to play that game. And again, <laughs> would you would you think that there will be a lot of uh, male players in the you know the later stages of of the game? Most probably not. So, again all about these you know pockets of players here and there so if you do the segmentation right it can work it can work uh very effectively yeah so think, overall yeah. Mm -hmm. go ahead i think just one of the early biases that i've talked that i've talked to folks with is that 
okay, you're 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 gonna cross promote one casino app that's the same as the other casino app. I mean, for you to get that ad, is that exciting to you after you've spent a ton of money and are generally like pretty bored of that app? Probably not, right? You're not looking to download the same exact app. And so I think that insight can't be understated on what Matei is saying. You know, if you have a, a different type of game that's built in a way that, that resonates with the user, that may be a better cross-promotion opportunity than sending them the exact version of the game that they've already grown tired of. So there are some insights to be to be learned um, there. And then you can also pair those profiles Matei is talking about with you know, the, the, the different genres of games. So certainly with the monetization life cycle of hyper casual, it's gonna happen super quickly. You know, that user is gonna churn maybe within that first day. So in that scenario, uh, affinity scoring is what we call it, where we start to look at the other games in your apps and predict uh, which one is gonna resonate the most with that user. Well, with hypercasual, this is actually really important because all of the bigger publishers, they are cross-promoting everything within their portfolio as soon as they can because they, not, they already understand like those players are not going to stick in their games for a long period of time. So as soon as, you know, after day three, day seven, maybe they're just trying to send them to, to the different game in their portfolio just to maximize the LTV. So there is always makes sense to compete with yourself uh, as opposed to somebody else, right? So, and um, I guess like kind of a overall, the, the outcome would be, yeah, there is a established understanding of what genres are more uh, like are being preferred by guys and girls overall, but still, if, you do, if you're doing your um, analytics right, you'll be able to find these small pockets of folks who are actually out of this uh, cliche but you still can monetize these people and connect them with the game. They will appreciate and spend some money, in, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and then you can maximize the LTV, you know, like if, if, you, if you acquire that one person to one of your games and then you just, you know, send them to three of, of your other games, then you pay it once, but then you can earn, you know, three times more. Right. So... Well, what would be your uh, the general suggestion for a strategy for um, app owners, for game owners to run uh, cross-promotion to address the challenges we've just talked about? Uh, well, uh, from what I, I think, it's, it's always a, a good exercise to have a, a game where you can have very low CPIs to acquire people and players, and then use that as a funnel to your other games, basically, because that's mm -hmm. like really effective, you know, like you're paying hyper casual type of uh, CPIs and then based on your own database and the, the data team, you can just uh, send the players to your, uh, your other games. That, that's a smart way of doing with that. Yeah, <laughs> you should pattern this one if it's possible. Mm. Yeah, that, that's for sure. <laughs> The app industry is vast. To navigate this space, you need a directory to look up suppliers and partners, and you need to know who are the best. Visit our marketplace directory at businessofapps.com slash marketplace slash podcast. And now back to the show. All right, now we're coming to the second part of the show where 
just uh, covering a quick brief uh, questions for every guest on the show this is how i give a chance to the audience to people who are listening to us to know every guest on the show a little bit better so my question to both you guys will be this what smartphone do you have have we been switching between these two giants android and uh, ios or just staying one side all the time well cam you can you can go first I, I used to dabble in some Android and then I switched over to uh, iOS due to some lagginess issues. And then I've been scared of switching back due to the green versus blue texting <laughs> issue, which I've read is like 70% of why Apple keeps their, their market share. But uh, one of my friends switched on a group text thread and has been shamed ever since. So it's really just being shamed away from, from Android for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you, yeah mm -hmm. I'm an iOS user as well, but um, it's, uh, it's been really funny because uh, I started with like my first or like first phone was like actually a Windows phone. It was HTC oh. Diamond, which is like ancient history is like way, way, way back, like 15 years ago, maybe even more. Mm -hmm. I was a really, really proud first adopter of AI, like um, Windows mobile, but then just eventually switched to iOS because there was like zero games and applications on Windows phone. <laughs> yeah. So since, yeah, since then I am iOS, iOS was 13 at the moment. Uh, I have that phone. I'm not yeah, going back. I'm not going back for sure. So yeah, I do remember there was a time when we kind of uh, hesitantly talking about the third option, Windows Mobile. Yeah. For a while, as a platform number three, then gradually those conversations kind of died out. We, we're not talking about <laughs> Windows Mobile anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, just uh, jumping a little bit uh, uh, just uh, you know, farther in time, uh, before uh, you know, smartphone multi-capacity touchscreen uh, smartphones era, what was your phone like a, just a regular mobile phone, the one you can carry in your pocket? Yeah, I mean, I would probably still use it today, uh, but it was that brick Nokia that was like, oh, yeah. man, that could survive anything. And uh, yeah, sure. there was no smart interface, but it was built really well. Yeah, I had and, uh, well, like Sony Ericsson or something like that. It was like really old. I just like you had everything basically. So I just fine. All good. Yeah, yeah. And I bet the battery could last for a week or more. Oh, no, a couple of days. Three days, four days, yeah, it's way better than now, of course. But you know, we have more, uh, more, more features in the in the phone. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. What uh, what about the situation if uh, any of you guys have left your home, have left your smartphone at home, and what would be the most missing feature for you when you're going out? Uh, missing feature in a good way is not to be harassed by my wife about the kids. Uh, so that's a great feature. Um, I think the other feature, I was just thinking about a world before navigation services and what we did, you know, I was going down to the dentist and figuring out how to get there. You know, it just, I just felt, uh, really like lucky to be living in a time where you can navigate so easily because I'm terrible with directions. So that would be, a, that would be a big one for me. Yeah. For me as well. I use Google maps all the time. And now in Istanbul, I just, you know, I, I couldn't stand the chance in here. It's like, I, I need it. Uh, 
except that i think like i would be fine pretty much but you know yeah the oh, kids gosh, uh, in Har- Har- i hear yeah, about the maps about the kids yeah it's uh <laughs> it's getting to me as well <laughs> yeah, yeah we can agree on that um okay so now uh, just a final question. The segment will be this. Uh, if there's anything uh, on your smartphones which uh, you're kind of thinking uh, would be great if my smartphone can do that. And I'm not talking about, you know, hypey topics, something that everybody is talking about, but something you would wish your smartphone be able to pull off for you and that will be actually helpful for you. For me, it's kind of already done it. Um, I don't know if Android's doing it, but uh, iOS has been showing your your screen time, and mm-hmm. I've started to like gamify it with myself to reduce it week over week. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that's naturally inclined me to be really conscious of how much I'm on my screen and to be present just with, you know, interactions with my family and others. But um, I think it's really helped to get back into reading and being conscious of you know what I'm doing outside of. Uh, constantly checking email yeah well yeah in regards to the constantly checking the emails what i've done um, a couple of years ago uh, it's i just turned off every notification i have and i check the phone when i want not when the phone wants me to check it and that's been oh that's (laughs) that's really a life-changing thing that i've done before so i don't i wouldn't like um want to get anything into into my smartphone like uh, on top of it so i'm pretty, pretty yeah. much fine i would totally agree with you guys when i turn off my notification for facebook when i was still using facebook yeah. uh, which i'm really doing these days but uh, yeah uh initially when you have like you know so to speak three apps on your phone having notification yeah. was really helpful when you have dozens of those apps having notifications isn't no, not a good, good idea. You have to be a master of your smartphone, not the vice versa. Yeah, the the, the Slack was just every every minute was just beeping at boom, me like, boom, hey, boom, boom. yeah, here's a new new message, new message, something is grab happening me, in the channel. Me. Like, yeah, nope, bye, <laughs> bye, see you. I will, I will see you in two hours. Yeah, it's like right. It's not how it works now. <laughs> exactly. All right, just a very final question. How can people get in touch with you both and get more information about what you do? Yeah, you can go to www.addictive.com and check out both our retargeting and our uh, cross-promotion product pages. And then my email is just Cameron at addictive.com in case you want to chat further. Yeah, you can you, you can uh, find me on LinkedIn, uh, which is Matthew Lancharish, or on my website, which is uh, well l a n c a r i c dot me, and that's uh, you know that's how you can uh, you can ping me there. Terrific! Thank you, Cameron and Matei. Uh, thank you guys for coming on the podcast and spending time with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. And that was Cameron Thom, Director of Sales at Addictive, and Matei Lancharich, User Acquisition and Marketing Consultant. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, just search for Business of Apps, and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes every Monday, so subscribe, and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, computer, as soon as we release them. And please, don't forget to leave us a review and comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening, guys. See you next week. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.